All right, our study tonight brings us to Proverbs 22, verses 26 and 27. Proverbs 22, verses 26 through 27. And our subject for tonight is sureties for debts. Sureties for debts. Verse 26 says, Be not thou one of them that strike hands, or of them that are sureties for debts. If thou hast nothing to pay, why should he take away thy bed from under thee? So again, as we are working our way through this, the, the Proverbs and these principles, we see here that this subject here, surety of debt, uh, I think we could probably all maybe put these thoughts together and consider what Solomon is writing about here. But just for the sake of our, um, our lesson tonight and our study, uh, a surety is defined as the guarantee of the debts of one party by another. A surety is the person who assumes the responsibility of paying the debt in case the debtor defaults or is unable to make the payments. The party that guarantees the debt is referred to as the surety or as the guarantor. So there is a warning that is being given here against becoming a guarantor or a surety for someone's debts and by confirming it by giving a pledge. And so this is one of those very practical things that sometimes when people say, I don't think the Bible has much to say about certain subjects, here's one of those that is a certainly relevant subject uh, even in the day and age in which we live. Now, this is not the first time that Solomon has dealt with this surety or pledges. Now, uh, it is way back when we first, and I don't even know how many years it's been, we introduced Proverbs and then we preached through it and then we stopped and then came back. All the way back in Proverbs 6, here's what it says, Proverbs 6, verses 1 through 5. My son, if thou be surety for thy friend, if thou hast stricken thy hand with a stranger, thou art snared with the words of thy mouth. Thou art taken with the words of thy mouth. Thou art snared with the words of thy mouth. Thou art taken with the words of thy mouth. Do this now, my son, and deliver thyself when thou art come into the hand of thy friend. Go, humble thyself, and make sure thy friend. Give not sleep to thine eyes, nor slumber to thine eyelids. Deliver thyself as a roe from the hand of the hunter and as a bird from the hand of the fowler. There is a great warning that is given not only in our text tonight, but all the way back in Proverbs 6 about becoming a surety for debts of another individual. Now, in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 6, what Solomon was writing about here is he's warning against becoming a surety because of the possible consequences of being snared or trapped or caught with the consequences of being a surety. Now, he uses the word friend in Proverbs 6, 1, but it's also the same word meaning a stranger, and it can mean anyone. So the warning here is, is there is a warning against becoming the surety or the guarantor of another person's debt. Verses 3 through 5 of Proverbs 6 urge an immediate effort to obtain a release if 
you have been foolishly ensnared in a surety ship. Promptness is being given here. He's telling him promptly, wherever there's a debt that you are a surety to, be quick to get yourself out of that. The instruction is given to say, do it without delay. Not only do it without delay, but he says, humble thyself and ask for a release. Seek it as an animal or a bird would seek release if it was caught in a trap. So there's a grand warning that's being given about this surety for debt. A couple of other passages that deal with this, most of them in Proverbs. Proverbs eleven fifteen, He that is a surety for a stranger shall smart for it. That word smart means be broken. And he that hateth surety ship is sure. Proverbs 17, 18, a man void of understanding striketh hands and become a surety in the presence of his friend. So it's not silent on this. Again, it's a little bit unusual of what we consider a Bible study because here's a very practical, real life situation we're dealing about even in today's society. So we understand here that what is the grand warning here? The warning here is that he who becomes a guarantor overestimates themselves. So in other words, the person who says, I will be your surety for your debt, overestimates himself. Why? Because here's one thing we don't know. First of all, we don't know about the intentions of that other person. That person who we become a surety for, we don't know what their intentions are. Their intentions might be, it might be pure, it might be straightforward, or they might have bad intentions of putting you on the hook for their debt. We also, secondly, and we'll see this unfold in our text, we certainly do not even know for sure that we would be able to fulfill the obligations as a guarantor. If we guarantee the debt of another person and we say today, maybe we have the resources to guarantee their debt, but we don't know what happens tomorrow. So we could say we will guarantee and be a surety, but there is a great warning in this. So the overall thought we're going to look at tonight is don't be a person who easily places themselves in danger for the debt of others. Don't be a person who easily places themselves in danger for the debt of others. So these two verses here, Solomon has already said things about this being warnings about suretyship, but also understand this, that throughout scripture, we tend to learn more from bad examples than we do good examples. Now, again, sometimes that's backwards, but even in society, when we see somebody make a bad decision or make a, a bad choice, we tend to learn from that by saying, I don't want to make that same mistake. I don't want to go down that same, uh, that same road. Uh, uh, sadly, we are more affected by bad things that have gone wrong than we are good precepts. Now, what are we looking at tonight? We're looking at a precept. We're looking at something that's telling us a principle so that we do not get ourselves in that situation and become the bad example. This is a principle. These are principles that are meant to help us and to prevent us from being in to that place. So simply do not be a person who strikes hands in a pledge or puts up security for another person's debt. 
So when we put our name to the debt of another individual, we are in danger, again, of being ensnared by that individual's debt, right? So before we follow an example of anybody in anything, we should think about what the outcome might be, right? So whatever situation we're put in, brother, we ought to think about what would the, what's the possible outcome of the decision I'm making today, right? What might happen? Now, that's not being pessimistic. That's just being very biblically wise. If I put myself in any situation, surety or not, any situation, I should stop and think before I enter into an agreement with anybody about anything, what could be the possible outcomes? And so that's what's happening here. Solomon is giving us the warning about don't be like those who so easily enter into these things. Right? If we see people do things that are wrong and we see them suffer for it, how much more motivated are we to not run into the same error? Right? If I know somebody who, for example, got into one of these surety-ship examples and it turned out badly, am I not going to learn from that? Am I not going to say, wait a minute, that was, that was not a good choice, that was not a good decision? So we learn. Now, think about this. Just consider this from this one perspective. Suppose that this person that we become a surety for, all right? So the very real example, let's say that principal debtor should be unable to pay the creditor, all right? So let's say you have signed and guaranteed that person's debt. Are we really willing to take that person's place and that responsibility? First of all, are we willing? Secondly, are we even capable, right? So if I insure the debt, or I, we'll talk about this in a minute, if I co-sign for somebody else's debt, if it really comes to pass that the person that I am a guarantor for forfeits or cannot pay that, am I really willing to pay the debt? Because by, by the obligation, I'm obligated to pay that, and I should not have entered into that unless I had full intentions to pay it, being willing, and secondly, having the ability to do so. There's a big difference in being willing and being able to, right? Now, there's a lot of different, a lot of different things in society that this could apply to. One of the things that's most obvious we think about is when somebody needs someone to co-sign for them, right? They need someone. They're not, the, the lender is not willing to give that person that money on their own. So they will say, I need you to co-sign. Well, you realize what he's talking about here, you have become a surety for that person's debt. So let's say that person buys a car, that person buys a house, whatever the case is. You realize you're obligated to pick up that debt if they forfeit on it. Now, are you willing to actually pay that, first of all? Secondly, are you even capable of paying it? Because number one, if you're not capable of paying it, you shouldn't enter into it. Because you are taking an obligation, striking hands to say, I will guarantee that if they don't make this, I'll do it. And again, how easily maybe in our own life have we entered into that? Maybe you haven't entered into that, and that's, that's, that's t- totally fine. That's the point here tonight, right? So if they're unable to pay, are we sure we're willing, and are we sure we will even be able? Right? Now, here's another example, and I think Solomon's dealing with this. 
Right now, maybe we could. Maybe right now somebody comes to you and they says, listen, I need, I need somebody to help me with this. And right now you have the resources. Right now you're willing. Let me ask you the question. Do you have control over tomorrow? You don't. You don't know if tomorrow you will not be able. You don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't have control over what happens in our life or what even happens to the resources which God gives us. So again, what is Solomon saying here? He's telling his son to be very careful about this because we do not know whether we will be able or unable in the day the payment is due. Now, when we look at this from the perspective of even the day and the times in which Solomon was living in, we might be sitting here saying tonight, well, this, this wasn't happening back then. Uh, this certainly was happening, right? Um, all the way back in Proverbs 22, if you look back there quickly in verse seven, this has been a while ago too. Here's what it says. The rich ruleth over the poor and the borrower is servant to the lender. Okay, the person who borrows is a servant to the lender. In other words, you have put yourself into the position of servanthood to them, right? Why are you a servant? Because you're in debt to them. You owe them something. So if I become a surety for the person who is the borrower, I am now the servant to the lender in the same way that the original borrower is. It's not just me signing my name to a document just so the person can get the debt. I have actually taken on the responsibility of paying that. And my responsibility, even as a, believing, as a believer, should be, I honestly sign that with the intent that if it comes to that, I am not only willing, I'm able to pay it. Because the worst thing we could do is say, well, yeah, I'll sign for it, but if it ever comes to that, I'm going to default on it as well. No, if we sign for it, we ought to have the intent to pay for it. Now, again, remember I said we may have problems with a person's intentions. Sometimes people's intentions aren't good. That's why he mentions not only, and it, he not only says, is it an unwise thing to enter into with a friend, but even a stranger, and to enter into it with anybody would be a dangerous thing. So be not thou one of them that strike hands. Don't become someone who easily shakes hands to make a deal. That's what striking hands means. It means making a deal. Don't do as they do by giving their hand of promise or to be a bond for others, right? And it's in the context of being a surety for them, right? Now, the, in the two expressions in verse 26 go together. You'll notice here he says, be not thou one of them that strike hands or of them that are sureties for debts. So you've got two things happening here, right? You have don't be a person who easily strikes deals, right? Indebting yourself to fulfill obligations, to fulfill promises. Don't be of them that are sureties for debts. Don't be the kind of person who agrees, in this case, to co-sign a contract made by others to be the guarantee or the backup, the payment, in case the principal borrower fails. That's exactly what this is about. Now, it's hard for us to understand that even in those Bible times, as we refer to them, were these kind of transactions taking place. They were taking place all the time. But I'm going to show you here in a minute that what was put up as being what you might lose 
if you if the principal person does fail and you can't fulfill your payment, what you actually might lose, biblically speaking. And it's it's pretty remarkable when you see this. So it is difficult for us to think about this, right? Because we don't want to be harsh. We don't want to be unkind. But remember, you are entering into a contract. You're entering into that which is uh, an obligation. Okay, so he's, he says, don't be one that strikes hands. Don't be one that are sureties for debts. Verse 27, if thou hast nothing to pay, why should he take away thy bed from under thee? It's a, it's a peculiar way this is being said. But what he's, what he's saying here directly is that if you lack the means to pay, you've become a surety, you've struck a deal, you've made a pledge, your very bed may be taken from you. This is what the idea here is, is that the very, your very livelihood, your own livelihood, because you're the surety for someone else's debt, you might lose your very bed because you guaranteed the debt of the person who could not pay it. Now, I, everybody's been there. Every, maybe, 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 that's, maybe that's painting it too broadly. We've maybe all been there where we've had somebody say, will you do this for me? And maybe it has said, well, you know, if something happens, surely the lender, the creditor, is not really gonna come after the cosigner. Oh yes, they will. They'll come after you for that and you are going to be on the hook for that, right? Now, some would say, well, you know, the, the creditor's not gonna exercise that kind of intense. They're gonna, you know, we think about our society today. They're gonna write this off. They're gonna find out we're unable to pay. Look, the reality is, is you should never have entered into it if you were not only willing, but able, right? So if you enter into that contract, then you need to be willing and able to pay it. So when the day comes, you better pay it. Now, he says the danger here is, is because you become, you now become the one who owes, right? You become the one who is now, you, you guaranteed it. So how do we know we'll be able to pay? Are we sure that the creditor will not require it of us, right? Now, any of these circumstances, any of these situations, and the illustration he's giving here is not just, this doesn't just do you harm. It's going to hurt others at the same time. You know, there's, there's very few things in our life that we do that it's not just hurting ourselves. It actually hurts people around us or other people, right? So what are, what are we going to be able to do for our own families? What are we going to be able to do? We're, we're called as believers, right? We're called as Christians to give to the poor. Well, if a surety for a debt brings us to a place where we can't take care of our own family, we can't even give to the poor, then our bed has been taken from us. We don't have anything to give all because we made, became a guarantor for someone's debt. So he says, if thou has nothing to pay, in other words, what he's talking about here is he's talking about the day when it comes. You who became a surety for the debt, if you have nothing to pay, right? When the time is due, the creditor now, by the way, is rightly demanding the debt, right? Now, here's a problem in our modern society, and maybe, maybe you folks are aware of this. And again, I, I, this is kind of a different study tonight. I realize it because it's like, wow, this is just... It kind of sounds like a seminar, right? 
But the reality is, is do you know how many people today, there's an entire generation who's entering into purchases they can't afford with zero intent of ever paying it. Zero intent. That's dishonest. Right? Now, that's not saying we can't, we can't use loans and things like that, but we should never use it maliciously where we say, look, I'm just going to kind of work the system here and I'm just going to get it, but I have no intention of ever paying it. You know, we have a whole generation that's doing that. They're doing that with no intent of paying it. Now, somebody's going to pay for it down the road. Somebody's going to take care of that. But this is the kind of thing when the payment day comes and you who are now a surety, think about this for a minute. Debt you did not incur, you did not incur debt that was not yours, you are now on the hook for because you struck a deal and said, I will be your guarantor. So what's your obligation? Your obligation is to pay. Does that mean that you might lose your own bed? Absolutely, that's what it might mean. That's what it may mean. And that's what he's talking about here. When the debtor has nothing to pay, he's still accountable and the guarantor is now accountable to pay that. Right now you have people who say, you know, the credit, the credit card companies and the lenders, they're so ruthless. They keep, coming after, they keep coming after me for the money. Brethren, don't they have a right to come after the money if you entered into a contract with them? They didn't spend the money. You did. Or the, the person in debt did. Now, again, there are circumstances that happen, right? There are people who get in situations, they can't help it. That, well, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about those who are complaining about, listen, why are they demanding payment? Because you incur debt. Guarantors of the sureties and these co-signers who are now being, they have the obligation of that car loan that was put on top of them. They're saying, why should I have to pay it? Because you became a surety for it. You signed your name and said, I'll guarantee that. In these days, yes, they were, making, they were not making co-signing for cars, obviously. But do you realize that there was an entire society that was functioning on this idea of debt? This is not a new thing. Only the collateral was different. And what this would cost you in those days wouldn't cost you what it does today in the same way. And I'll show you that here in a minute, right? So we have to realize that you may injure yourself. You may injure your family, right? Based upon becoming a surety for someone else's debt. And again, just biblical Christian principles would teach us. It's a wicked thing to engage for the payment of a debt, knowing the likelihood that you will be unable to pay that. Right now, parents go through with this all the time, but my child needed this. Look, it's not talking about that you can't help them. There's a big difference in giving all you can to help them financially as opposed to becoming a surety for them. Again, it's not talking about not helping, but becoming a surety. Don't enter into these things knowing with the likelihood you may not be able to pay it. That's, dece that's deception, right? I'm, I am deceiving that creditor, right, by saying I will when I have no intention of actually doing that. And again, why do these creditors go to the extremes they do to recover their losses? Well, it's not the creditor's fault. 
Nobody made you enter into that surety contract. Like nobody in this room and those that are not here have a requirement to enter into the surety for someone else's debt. Now, you may be faced with that choice. You may be put, you may be put in a very emotional situation. What's the wise thing to do? Don't become a surety. Again, there are things that could be done, but don't become a surety. Why? Because of the possible ensnarement that this is going to cost. So he says, if thou hast nothing to pay, again, why should he take away thy bed from under thee? The creditor in all likelihood, and again, this is where we get back even into these Bible times, will take your bed from under you, being enraged by your conduct. You said you would guarantee this debt. Why aren't you paying it? In, I'm going to show you one example in 2 Kings, and I never saw this the, the few times I've been through the book of 2 Kings. In the Bible days, your surety for debt would also, in some cases, require, if the payment could not be made financially, would require the payment of your wife and children. I guarantee nobody in this room becomes a co-signer on a debt if you are unable to pay your wife and children go out the door to the creditor. Does anybody sign one of those? No way. But that's exactly what was happening. So what's the warning? The warning is don't enter into this. Here's the circumstances. Now, are, they gonna, are the creditors gonna come after wife and children in our day and age? No. Does that make it any less of a warning? No, it's still warning us against what's happening here. In 2 Kings chapter 4, you might recall this story, and again, or this narrative, and obviously we're not covering it from the expositional perspective, but you'll notice that this, this the widow woman, right, in second, who is visited by Elisha, she says something very peculiar about, um, about credit or about a creditor. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1. Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead, and thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord, and the creditor is come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. You know, we, I've read through that story a number of times, and I, you know, I thought, okay, here's this widow woman, and you know it's a story about the oil. We can keep, we can keep reading. Uh, verse two, and Elisha said unto her, what shall I do for thee? Tell me what hast thou in thine house? And she said, thine handmaid hath not anything in the house, save a pot of oil. Then he said, go borrow the vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels, borrow not a few. And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons shalt pour out into all those vessels and thou shalt set aside that which is full. So she went from him and shut the door upon her and her upon her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured out. And it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said unto her son, bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, there is not a vessel more. And the oil stayed. Then she came and told the man of God. And he said, go sell the oil, pay thy debt and live thou and thy children of the rest. Isn't it interesting that that miracle of the oil was actually used to pay a debt so that the woman did not lose her two sons. It's a great miracle. Very, very few times do we hear from the perspective of a creditor coming 
to take two sons and part of the miracle of that oil multiplying was so that she could go and pay that debt and would not be any longer under the uh, in debt to that creditor. Again, it's a different it's a different illustration, but you see the point here. It was costly to put yourself under the debt of a creditor. Okay, so there's just a, it's just a, a, an example there. So what is this? What is Solomon's warnings tonight? Solomon's warnings are simply here to deter us from this surety ship or even going into debt, right? Because since a man may bring himself into a condition, it may lead to a point where he might lose everything, right? It may be taken right from under him. And again, if he agrees to it, does that creditor have a right to take it? Now, in the, the instance of the widow woman, based upon the way society worked, it was within the creditor's right to come and take her sons. In other words, they weren't being cruel to her. That was part of it. And of course, she wanted the oil. She wanted the resources. She had nothing to pay that creditor with. So all this is to be a deterrence to us, right? So we meet this theme, and it's not the first time. Again, I've given us four or five different passages that have talked about this, that these can be a dangerous thing, right? What could happen to us? Again, we began by asking the question, before we enter into any kind of agreement or any kind of thing, we should ask ourselves, what could this possibly be the outcome? What could this cost me? Right? And even this illustration here, and, and I think Solomon is making it very clear that you can lose even your basic necessities, such as your very own bed, if you become a surety of someone else's debt. There's a lot of good resources out there on the book of Proverbs. Um, I gave you a name, George Lawson, last week. Um, I don't know if I mentioned it, but one of the most recognized um, I, I, I use it for some parts of our, my study, not, not my main study, is Charles Bridges. And this is what Bridges, now there's a, there's a, I don't want to get into it too much tonight, but there's even a connection between the surety ship that's mentioned in 26 and 27 with making friendship with an angry man and a furious man. If you're interested in your own study, take, look at it from that perspective, Get, get yourself some commentaries, get yourself some things and look at the connection because he makes the connection between the angry and furious man and being a surety. Again, we don't have time to expand all this tonight, but it's just kind of for your own uh, food for thought. But here's what he says. This is, this is Bridges. Avoid contention, not only with angry, but with imprudent, perhaps unprincipled associates. Strike not your hands as a surety without forethought, sometimes without upright principle. Again, the connection is those same people that are these, your associations with furious, angry people might be the same people that you enter into a contract with. And those people that are in that kind of a contract are those people who do not have good principles. I know we think when we enter into these things that everybody has good intentions. Life experience will tell you that's not the, always the case. But he goes on and he says, repeated warnings have been given of this danger. The putting your hand to a bill 
may be almost signing a warrant for your own execution. At all events, it is a fraud to give security for more than you are worth, promising what you are unable to perform. The creditor may fairly, in this case, proceed to extremities, not with the debtor, I like what he says here, whom he knows to be worth nothing, and whom indeed the law of God protected, but with the surety. And why, wise man asked, and why the wise man asked, shouldest thou rashly incur beggarly and ruin so as to have the bed taken from under thee? In other words, why would you enter into such a situation only to potentially lose everything on that behalf? You know, one thing I learned, and I didn't, I didn't really realize this, and part of the study has brought this, you really do become the one who's in debt. At the purest sense of it, you become the one who's in debt. And you're entering into that situation, again, not knowing whether you can actually mean it or meet that need. So it seems to be the case here that Solomon talking about being a guarantor for a debt, which you cannot meet when the other person defaults on that. When that person for whom he's become a guarantor cannot pay his debt, we will have to pay it or that surety will have to pay it. So if he can't pay it financially, just like with the story with the widow, if she can't pay it, he takes his very last possession to make sure the debt is paid. The whole point is once he takes your bed, you have nothing else to rest on. It's a spiritual application too. You have no rest. You have no, you have nothing. It's all been taken away from you. So if you endorse, co-sign, become a surety for someone else, guaranteeing his debt, you are in some trouble. Again, you could say that's an extreme position and you can, you can disagree with that. But you do not understand you're trapped in that agreement, right? And again, if that's an agreement that you can get out of, right? And I don't apologize for this. If you can get out of it, get out of it. You're in more danger staying in it if you can't meet that need, right? Some people would say, well, I can't because that's going to require me to admit I did something wrong. Swallow your pride and get over it. I should, I should not have done this. What do you take steps just like in Proverbs 6 when it said just like the deer who's caught in the trap is going to take any means they can to get out of the trap? That's how serious this is. Don't rest until you can get out of it. If you can get out of this trap, you saved yourself like the deer that escapes from the hunter or the bird from the net. Right now, again, does this mean that we should not give to those who need? Absolutely not. We should give. We should give as the Lord's prospered us. I love the example the Apostle Paul talks about the churches at Macedonia and those different churches coming together to help the church and to help the poor and to help the widows and to help. Brethren, we should help. We should have the resources if we can. And even like the, in, in, the, in Corinthians, they gave out of their poverty. They gave out of their own necessity. We should be giving people, but there's a huge difference in giving and becoming a surety, right? It's not the same. So give what you can, 
But only in extreme cases would we even think about becoming a surety. Now, I would say, again, you can disagree with this. I'm just giving you what I believe the Bible principle here is. Becoming a surety is a foolish step because the surety makes promises for the future he or she cannot control. You've handed yourself over to a debtor. You've handed yourself over to the creditor. You have now put yourself into their servanthood. Right now, again, that person who is the one who originally incurred the debt, they may turn around and say, you know what, I'm defaulting on this thing. And it falls back on you. So be careful. Understand what's happening here. Um, again, it's a, again, I knew tonight would be a little bit different of a perspective, but it's a practical life understanding and a life warning that we're given here. So I think simply the overall lesson we get tonight from the study is don't become a guarantee, a guarantor for someone else's debts. The next week, it gets even more interesting because he starts talking about landmarks, land boundaries, land property. And I think I mentioned last week, I was going to try to handle these two together. And I realized you can't even handle these. It's, a, it's, a, it's related, but it's a whole different thought. And so about not removing landmarks and why that's even important today, how that applied to then, how that applies to now. So uh, that's our study for tonight as far as sureties for debts. And hopefully it's at least been a bit of an eye opener to us, but an encouragement to us. And uh, so we'll stop there for tonight. All right. Amen.